It's your coach, Coach Cam. We talking hoops, baby. We talking hoops. Uh-huh. Coach Cam on the podcast. We talking hoops. Don't you leave them open. Don't you know that coach can shoot? We talking hoops all day. That's what we do. That's NBA, D1 to D2, AAU, D3, G League, overseas, highlights, offers, transfers that want to leave. We talking hoops, that's every week With Coach Cam dropping gems for the hoop fiends uh, And to my fans with the hoop dreams Stay shooting, stay hooping Buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do Cause this is Coach Cam and we talking hoops Kid, kid, we talking hoops What up though, it's your coach Who knows hoops the most, Coach Cam Episode 10, we getting it in, going for the win you know how we do. This week we're going we're gonna recap the NBA draft. You know, talk about some of my favorite draft picks. Uh, talk about a couple teams that won in the draft, some losers. Uh, we're gonna talk trades, free agencies, NBA awards. Uh, let you know whether I disagreed or agreed with who won the awards or not. Talk some high school basketball, and then I'm gonna end off with my top 15 favorite teams. In the last 10 years out of Detroit high school basketball. But it's your coach who knows who's the most. And we're going to talk the NBA draft. We talked about it last week. Uh, it was a very top-heavy draft. After pick number four or five, you weren't going to get much value. Uh, I know Cam Reddish went to Atlanta very, very low. I think he went either 10 or 11. Uh, but the top three picks, of course, you had Zion. You had R.G. Barrett going in there. So uh, very top-heavy draft. Uh, some of my favorite favorite picks was R.J. Barrett. I'm a big I'm a big R.J. Barrett fan. I think he's gonna do really well with the Knicks. Um, him and Trier and Knox. I mean that'd be a nice little young core to kind of build around. Uh, stop sending the superstars over there. Let them build a team, uh, just like Sacramento and some of these young teams, Atlanta, New Orleans. Build with team with some draft picks. Try to bring some free agents if you can. But if you don't, build through the draft. And that's what New York is doing. I think R.J. Barrett is going to be a guy that kind of takes him to a next level kind of sort of type of deal. Will he be a, an all-league NBA player? No. Uh, will he be all-NBA all rookie? Yeah, he will be. He's going to be one of those guys. I just really like R.J. Barrett. He can stretch the floor with his jump shot. He can get to the rim. Uh, he's got a more of a pro game than the college game. So he's going to look better for the Knicks than he did for Duke. All right, bank that. All right, another pick that I liked in this draft was Darius Garland going to Cleveland. So here's what you need to know about Cleveland. Cleveland hired John Beeline. John Beeline likes to have two-guard offense, okay? So now he's got two guards. You got Colin Sexton. You got Darius Garland, uh, two dynamic guards that can both score. They can both make plays, and they can both stretch the floor with their jump shot, athletic. Hey, look, they're going to be the East Coast, Dame and CJ. Now, are they going to be like that in year one? Probably not. But they're going to get there. They're going to get there. Daler, Darius Garland in Cleveland, him and Colin Sexton, are going to be creating some nightmares for them guards out east. Good luck guarding those two. So those were just a couple picks that I liked in the draft. Of course, Zion Williamson is going to do his thing. All right, Cam Reddish going to Atlanta. is that's, that's huge. Atlanta was a big winner in this draft. They had a bunch of picks. Um I think they did a really good job with their draft in it being able to get some guys through trade, some picks from other teams. Uh, them in New Orleans, they they building. Like I said last week, New Orleans is going to be a team to watch out for. 
They're going to be a team to watch out for, a bunch of young guys playing with reckless abandon. Uh, were there losers in the draft? Anybody picking outside of 10 of 11 was a loser. That's just my, my opinion. You'll have a, you might have a guy or two late in the, in the first round that might be able to bring you something, um, a Tyler Hero maybe. Um, but I just don't think outside of the, the 10 picks in the draft that you're going to get much value for next year. You're going to have a bunch of guys playing the G League uh, with two-way contracts, and I just don't think there was much value. Uh, the Pistons picked at number 15. Uh, they picked a kid from France, the Sekou kid. High upside. Uh, he's still a prospect, so he's not going to give you any value. I know some people argued that you, why would the Pistons take him when you can take Carson Edwards, We can take Kevin Porter Jr. at 30. Listen here, Kevin Porter Jr. averaged eight points a game at USC. All right, if you can't score 10 points a game in college, I ain't drafting you higher than 29. I don't care what kind of upside you got. Upside means you need to be getting buckets. All right, and if you ain't getting buckets in college, you ain't getting buckets in the NBA. All right, so you average eight points a game, and I'm going to draft you higher than 15. I'm not. So with the 15th pick, the Pistons did not draft Kevin Porter Jr., and I'm glad because he would have been a super bust. He not a not a bust. He would have been a super bust. So that's just me. Uh, so did the Pistons have a good pick? Yeah, I mean they traded away the number thirty pick for a couple of second round draft picks. You know, the Pistons gone piston. You know, but you can't get mad at the Pistons at this draft. They had no business being in the playoffs. That's what the Pistons did wrong. They had no business being in the playoffs. So now instead of having a potential lottery pick. You mess around and win two more games than you're supposed to win, and now you're at pick number 15, and you're in the middle of a draft, a middle of a weak draft, and now people are trying to analyze whether you made a good pick or not. You shouldn't have made the playoffs, silly. Don't make the playoffs. Put your hat in the chance to get a maybe a top 10 pick, and then we could talk. All right, you getting you picking at 15, and you go 41 and 41 out of the season. Like what is you doing? Go 38 and 44. Get you a top 10 pick and then thank me later. But that's what the Pistons did wrong. So that was just the NBA draft. Wasn't that much of, a, of an analysis of the draft because it's a top heavy draft. Uh, we'll, you got the, the NBA Summer League coming up. So we'd like to see some of these guys go head to head in the Summer League. You know, hopefully nobody gets injured uh, and they go hard, things of that sort. So look forward to watching that on NBA TV coming up here pretty soon. And you know, we always going to talk hoops. That's what we do, baby. We talk hoops around here, man. We still talking about the NBA. We got pending free agency coming up June 30th at the end of the month. Um, you got some trades that have already happened. I told you the draft, you're going to hear a lot. You're going to have a lot of trades in the draft. And we had quite a few trades going on in the draft. A lot of guys moving up for position, for picks, uh, for players. Um, the first trade that really made some noise was Mike Conley going to the Jazz. And I think the backcourt with Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell, I think that's going to be a really good backcourt in the West Coast Conference. All right? They're not they're quite not going to be Damon CJ, but you got a guy in in Mike Conley that can can distribute the basketball, he can run your offense and he can get you 20. I mean, he averaged 20 points a game this year. Uh, close to 20 and 10 with assists. And that's with limited resources in Memphis. Okay. Now you put them with Donovan Mitchell. You put them with Rudy Gobert. You put them with 
the, the boy from Australia, the lefty. Uh, now you got some pieces. All right. Rip, Ricky Rubio got to get the hell out the way. If they haven't already traded him, I'm glad he's out the way because you can't be an NBA point guard and airball a corner three for the money when you play in the Houston Rockets. I'm sorry. Ricky Rubio got to go. He can handle the ball. He got it on the string. But you can't make an open jump shot to win a conference game. So I'm glad Ricky Rubio's out of there. And you got Mike Conley in there. I didn't realize that he's played 13 seasons in the NBA. He is a veteran. Man, he's played some years in the NBA. And he's finally getting his due. He's, he's on a team that's up and coming. They got some pieces over there. Even though they got rid of Jay Crowder, who was a, a good piece for them. Um, in their playoff run, Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell is going to be a bad. You're starting to see more and more teams going to a two-guard backcourt, two combo guards. Not really a true point guard, not really a true two-guard, but two combo guards that can, that can play with each other, play off the ball, play on the ball. Uh, you're starting to see that trend. I guess it's the new trend in the NBA is to have two little guards. Not really little. Uh, but have two two combo guards. You know, Mike Conlon is, is a point guard, but he shoots it well enough to play the two. So what it allows, it allows Donovan Mitchell to play off the ball, which is where he needs to be. He doesn't need to be the, the primary playmaker. Not to say that he can't. It's just that he's so dynamic off the ball, you know, similar to Victor Oladipo when they moved him off the ball uh, because Victor Oladipo is not a point guard. He's a combo. He's one, two, three. Um, Donovan Mitchell is the same way. Spider is the same way. You put him off the ball, he can make plays. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how he plays with Mike Conley. And you got the defensive player of the year you're playing with with Rudy Gobert. And both those two guards can check. So, you know, Houston ain't going to be no pushover. Uh, so it's going to be nice to see some of these two-guard backcourts. It's like look at the Denver Nuggets, you know. Uh, they got a two-guard backcourt with Gary Harris, you know. So, like, you, you're seeing more and more teams – you know, Jamal, like Jamal, um, man, I can't think of his name. Jamal Harris, um, two-guard backcourt for, for Denver, but a lot of teams are doing that. So uh, Utah has put their name in the hat for their two-guard backcourt, and that's going to be a good look for them. So I think the Jazz won that draft, and I don't even care who they traded for. I don't care who they gave up for to get that pick, but it was beneficial to them and their team. So you have some players – Declined some options. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, he opted out of his $21.5 million contract. And, you know, a lot of people say that he's going to re-sign with the Raptors. But the, here's the tricky thing. You can't have Kawhi and Kyle Lowry making 30-plus million on your roster. It's not going to happen. Somebody either has to go or take a pay cut. So in order to keep Kawhi in Toronto, Kyle Lowry is going to have to take a pay cut. You can't pay him $30 million. He's going to have to take a pay cut. He's going to have to take somewhere. Maybe you give him a longer deal where or a shorter deal where he can make more money or you give him a longer guaranteed money deal. I don't know, but he can't be making $30 million a year. Cut it out. All right. Especially if you want Kawhi, the claw that does it all. You're going, you're going to have to pay cut or send somebody else elsewhere. You, or maybe you you give up Marcus all to free agency and say, you know what? You know, I got the, the big kid Siakam that could get it done in there. I got Serge Kibaka that can get it done in there. We really don't need you, big fella. You know, and you can see in the in the finals, he had a couple of good games, but Marc Gasol was not uh, the reason why they won that series. And they would still win the series if Marc Gasol didn't play. 
and he making $24 million a year. So that has got to change. But if you're going to give Kawhi the bag, Toronto, you're going to have to make some decisions on your roster. Okay. And is Kawhi willing to make those decisions? I'm not sure. I, I've been saying he's going to go to L.A. Uh, with the Clippers, get back out west. Uh, because who really wants to live in Toronto, to live in another country? Who really, want, who really wants that? And you ain't got family there. All your family out west, if you're a family guy, you know, go ahead and get out west. You the one you would chip. You know, what it do, baby? You know how it is. You already wanted to chip. You want to get back west. And, you know, I think he should do it. I think he should do it. I think he declined his option so he can get a max deal somewhere else. I think his time in Toronto is short. And, you know, it's hard to say that because they won an NBA championship with him. But he did what he was supposed to do. He got traded there. So we talked about that last week. So, you know, Kawhi is out of there. He declined his option. I think he's out of there. So you got the Los Angeles Lakers looking to add D'Angelo Russell in free agency. Okay, not a bad move. Not a bad move. I think the roster is different than when he was there the first time. So you had Nick Young and you had, you know, all those guys on the roster then that are no longer there. Julius Randle, uh, Brandon Ingram, those guys are gone. So the team that D'Angelo Russell was going to join is not the team that he played for. So you would say, why would D'Angelo Russell go back to the Lakers when they didn't want him? No, they wanted him. He just didn't mix with the team that they had. So they had to get rid of him. The team that they got now is different. You know, LeBron wasn't there. AD wasn't there. Rondo wasn't there. Like, them guys wasn't there. Kyle Kuzma wasn't there. You know, I think it's a good fit. I think it's a good fit. You could put him on the ball and off the ball. Um, he's a little bit ball dominant to be playing with LeBron. But I, I think it's because you ain't getting Kimba. See, here's the thing with L.A. All right, you're not getting Kimball Walker. Kimball Walker is going to cost you too much money. If you even have enough money to get a guy like Kimball Walker, and I don't think Kimball Walker um, is leaving Charlotte. So why are you even wasting your time with Kimball Walker? He ain't leaving Charlotte because Charlotte's going to throw him the super max bag that he sh no way in hell he should turn down. Young man, get the bag. Like I said last week, get the bag, get the money, back up the Brinks truck. All right, get the money. Uh, don't you dare go to L.A. because L.A. ain't got enough money to pay for you. And in this game, you want to get as much money as possible. You don't turn down max money. Somebody offer you max money, you take it. You don't take less because you want to win a ring that you can buy for whatever money you're making in your contract. All right. But that's just, you know, that's money making cam. That's killer cam talking, paid in full. Get your money. You know, other than that, I think the Lakers adding a D'Angelo Russell. Uh, would be a good look. It'd be a good look. I mean, who else are they going to add? Are you going to keep Rondo? Rondo days is beyond him, okay? Everybody wants Rondo to be the guy that played with the Boston Celtics. Newsflash, that was 2008, all right? That was 11 years ago. He ain't that guy, all right? Now, is, is Rondo a good player? Yes, he is. But does he fit with LeBron? No, he doesn't because he can't shoot, okay? The point guard for the LA Lakers has to be able to shoot. So you need to add somebody with some shooting, which D'Angelo Russell can do, another ball handler and a defender, okay? And I think he could do that. I mean, who else are they going to get? Are you going to trade for Bradley Beal? What other guards are out there for free agency? Point guards, really. I mean, he's probably the top-tier point guard that you can get, that you can actually fix on your team. So I'm not mad at the Los Angeles Lakers going at uh, D'Angelo Russell. So go ahead. Go ahead and get your money, young man. Go ahead and do it, Okay. Um, 
you also had Chris Middleton of the Bucks. He declined his option. Now, I think the Bucks are going to offer him a max deal, which is what they should. Uh, but I think what the injury to Malcolm Brogdon, you know, heightened his ability, or heightened his uh, effectiveness for the Bucks. I and mean, I'm talking about Chris Middleton. It made you think that, okay, I think we need Chris in this office. But when Malcolm came back, you saw that, oh, man, we really don't need Chris like that. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon was... He was official when he came back, and he was efficient. He made shots. He attacked the basket, and it was like, do we really need to give Chris Middleton a max deal when we got Malcolm Brogdon getting four million a year? I don't know. I don't know. So, I think him declining his options is meaning he's not going back to the Bucks. Where he goes, who knows? Um, but if you're looking for shooting, hey LA, if you're looking for shooting, there go your shooter right there. There go your shooter right there. Sign him. Cut KCP because KCP is is he is what he is. All right. He's not a better shooter than Chris Middleton. I'll take Chris Middleton better him 10 times out of 10 times. Get rid of KCP. Sign you Chris Middleton. All right. But I don't think he's going back to the Bucks. I don't think he's going back. I think he's going to try to get his money. And I think somebody is going to pay for him. So he declined his option um, and became a free agent. I like what Portland and Atlanta did. Like what they did, Portland added another big size wing in base in Baysmore. They traded Baysmore and Turner. So Evan Turner um, is going to be a member of the Atlanta Hawks. And I like what the Hawks did there. They're adding some veteran players to that young, young, super young core that they're going to have there in Atlanta in the A. They're going to turn it up in Magic City, you know, on a Monday. All right. Don't tell you I didn't. Don't say I didn't tell you to go there. And if you do, go on a Monday. Newsflash. All right, Atlanta, they're going to be getting it in. All right, they got some pieces there. They're going to be young, but, you know, it's good that they added a veteran to that group. You know, Evan Turner's been in the league 10, 12 years now, and he's able to give them a little bit of guidance and a veteran leadership that, you know, um, he's he's more valuable in that than what whatever buckets he's going to bring to the table. Um, and the last free agent deal, uh, and I'm going to talk about is Bradley Bill, man. Bradley Bill, who's already making about $25, $26 million for the Washington Wizards. I think he'd do a million, $30 million bag, man. I mean, if Kyle Lowry can get $30 million, Bradley Bill can get $30 million. All right? I think him in Washington is a done deal. Uh, I think they try to trade him somewhere to get some assets for him because they start a rebuild because John Wall was – when you saw him on the BET Awards, man, he looked like he swallowed 10 Percocets and, and had three gallons. And, man, he looked a mess. I don't know what the injury then did to him, but uh, he is really killing his stock because John Wall was a very explosive player before he got hurt. And with the Achilles injury that he had, the career killer, as I like to call it, he better be very careful because he could get traded out there fast. And his last three years have not been very productive. Bradley Bill's last three years have been extremely productive. He was 25-6-5 this year. He was 24-4-3 the year before that. And he was 22-3-2 the year before that. Those is big boy buckets. You average 20 points a game for three straight years, you're a max player. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. When you look at the stats... And you look at the guys averaging 20 points a game or more in the NBA, those guys are max players, especially if you're a guard, especially if you're a guard, because you got to play against some of the top players in the NBA. 
And that means you can score against the best. And it, it helped him playing a little bit of point with John Wall Hurt. So Washington Wizards, I'm going to need you to dial up the trade, get you some picks, and maybe a young draft pick. Or get something for Bradley Bill and get him out of Washington, man. He wasted some really good years in Washington. You ain't got no teams behind him. Get him out of Washington. Get him in, get him in Boston. Get him in Philly. Get him somewhere else where he could be effective because it ain't happening there. So uh, Bradley Bill is due a big boy back. Not that $25 million isn't a good contract because he's getting 25 this year, 27 next year. Like His contract is there. I'm going to need a team. I'm going to need them to pay off that. I'm going to need him to get paid. I'm going to need him to get paid instead of him wasting two years in his prime. He's clearly in his prime. But if, he's, if he is in Washington, he is wasting years of his prime. Get him out of Washington. Trade him. Get some picks for him. Um, but get him out of Washington, please, because he, he's been getting some big boy buckets the last three years. And I just would like to see him with another. I, you know where I'd like to see him go? I would like to see him in Charlotte. Put him with Kimball. How, how would that backcourt? That backcourt would be gross. Kimball Walker and Bradley Beal? Oh, man. That, that would be what John Wall was supposed to be. But I, I don't know what train John Wall got on, but that train is going south, and it's going south fast. So if you're anywhere by John Wall, tell that man to get his life together and get in the gym because that train is going south fast. And when it goes south fast like that, it don't come. It's a one-way trip. It ain't coming back. So somebody get to him and make sure he get in the gym and do something because it's coming down the line and it ain't looking good for John Wall. And it's looking very good for Bradley Bill. All right, so that wraps up our NBA talk. We talked enough about the NBA draft. Talked enough about NBA free agency. The season's over, man. We got to move on. What other hoops can we talk about? Well, you got college hoops. You got high school hoops. You got AAU hoops. So uh, this past weekend... You had the first live period in June, and this live period was, was reserved just for high school teams. So it was an opportunity for Division One coaches to go to team camps, but the team camp had to be sponsored by a state association. So they weren't just going to any team camp. It had to be run by a state association. So it had to be run by the Illinois High School Basketball Association, the Ohio uh, high School Athletic Association, the Basketball Coaches Association of Michigan. These associations had to run a sanctioned event for the Division One coaches to go to. So in Michigan, that sanctioned event was called Reaching Higher. This event they've been doing for the last six or seven years or so. I've been involved with the Reaching Higher event when it was just an individual event during a live period. Um, and I've seen some great players come through it. It's a great program. They have speakers. This year's speaker was Reggie Butler. Oh, wow. You might have heard that name before. He was on this podcast. Um, he was the keynote speaker for the Reaching Higher event this past weekend. Um, and the Reaching Higher event is the top 100 players in the state, whether you are a freshman, sophomore, or junior. It's the top 100 players. So college coaches got a chance to see the top 100 players play in Michigan if they decided to play because you can decline it. If you don't have to come. All right. So if you didn't want to come, you didn't have to. And a lot of times in Michigan, when you have top player events like that, a lot of the really top players don't go. 
So it's not like you're going to go to this event and you're going to see, you know, uh, Isaiah Jackson and you're going to see uh, Pierre Brooks and you're going to see Kobe Bufkin and you're going to see Jaden Atkins and you're going to see Amadi Bates. I mean, that's a true top 100. If you're really keeping it 100, you those are the type of level players you're getting. They're not getting those level players. All right. Those players are playing for the teams and their teams are playing in team camps. OK, so the one thing that the reach and hire event doesn't do, it puts in a disadvantage at all of the other players that had no opportunity to get looks in the state of Michigan. OK, so now when you only have two live periods, you got a live period in the spring and you have a live period in the summer. Like kids are missing out, missing out. So. What about the other 9,000 kids that play basketball in the state of Michigan so they don't get a look this weekend? You got to be a top 100 player. All right, what if you 105? What if you play 105? You don't get an invite to reach and hire. So all of the lower level schools that are at the event, they don't get to see you play that weekend. I think it's a disservice. But then again, we're talking about the MHSAA who has been behind the eight ball like a pool game for 30 years, and they are never going to change. And I hope somebody from the MHSA is listening to this podcast because they are never going to change. That's why I don't talk about the MHSAA. I don't talk about them making changes. I don't talk about the rules that they have because they've been doing the same thing for 30 years and they're going to do the same thing for the next 30 years. All right. So I don't even talk about how bad and behind the eight ball they are because they ain't never going to change. They're going to do the same stuff they've been doing for years. And them having this this event during the live period is a disservice to the rest of those kids who had no opportunity to play in the reach and hire. And for what I was told, the reach and hire was an OK. It was OK. It was OK. It was some high level players that were supposed to be there that weren't there. The structure wasn't great. Um you know, when I was involved, it was always high energy. You know, it was a lot of good things going involved. Rich Moffitt is no longer involved with it. Uh, shouts out to him. Uh, he's now retired. But I just think the MSSA is behind, man. You are behind the A-ball. You need to be doing what Chicago is doing. You need to be doing what Georgia is doing. Don't do what Ohio is doing. Ohio just opted out and had nothing. And that's just a disgrace. They just opted out. At least Michigan had an event, but your reach and hire event can't be in a live period. It can't. And that's why, you know, you had, you know, Division three schools there, NAI schools there, D2 schools there. There wasn't a whole lot of D1 schools there. Now, Jerron Howard was there with Saudi Washington because that's the right thing to do. You're the new Michigan coaches. You need to find out what players are in Michigan, even though the vast majority of those hundred players are not playing at Michigan. There isn't a single player at that event that's going to play at Michigan. So who is Jawan Howard really looking at? Is Matt Nicholson there? If Matt Nicholson is there, he might be able to play at Michigan, but he'd be like Chris Young. Chris Young played with me. He was a 90, 98 out of Detroit Catholic Central, 6'11", big, tall, lanky kid, never played at Michigan. Committed there, never played. Now, if he had went to Central Michigan, he might have been Chris Kamen, but he didn't and he wasn't. Matt Nicholson is kind of like that. If he goes somewhere over his head, he might not be that effective. If he goes mid-major, mid-major plus, he can be a very effective big in those programs. But he ain't playing at Michigan. So, Jawan Howard, Saudi Washington, Michigan Wolverines, who 
who are you watching at the reaching higher event? Are you just showing face? Because if you're just showing face, you need to just say hi, shake some hands and get on the jet and get back to Chicago where the two really good, great live events was. All right. One of the one of the events was held at Riverbrook High School in Chicago and it's set up like an AAU event. You've got 60 teams. Each team is in a pool of four or five teams. The top teams in each pool play in a championship bracket. It's dope. It's really dope because you have really good players on really good teams. And I mean, I went to the tournament and I saw a kid that had zero offers. He dropped 35, 40, and 45 in three straight games. And I'm looking at the people there like, how is, does this kid not have a Division I offer? But then again, I was the only college coach in the building. And it was after June 15th, which meant Division IIs could be there, Division threes could be there, NAIs could be there, and I was the only one there. And I was just like, man, this kid was really good. Ended up going Division I to a low-major school. Uh, but they had an event there. They also had another event in Chicago. They had a bunch of college coaches there that Ferndale had an opportunity to play in. They lost in the semis. Uh, they got a waiver from the state. Not sure what they did to get the waiver, but the waiver was legit. It was legal. And they were able to travel to Chicago and to play in their team camp. And they probably played in more Division One in front of more Division One coaches than every coach that was at reaching higher, which was a smart thing for Ron Wickman and the Ferndale Eagles to do. I'm putting you in front of some coaches. All right. I'm not going to let my top two or three players play in a top 100 event when I got a really good sophomore who might not be top 100, but he might be 110, 115, but he's a sophomore. So he ain't supposed to be top 100, but he's still a good player. But if you saw him on my high school team, you'd be like, coach, who is number three? You'd be like, number three plays for the family. And he's a pretty good player. So, you know, when you have those type of situations, you got to do that. So I was, I was glad to see that, that Ferndale got the waiver to play in Chicago because, you know, you can't be stuck here in Michigan playing an individual event in a live period. It's not smart. It's not smart, and the MHSAA needs to change that next year. If you have a reach and hire event, don't have it during the live period, okay? Here's an idea for you. Tell Oakland, tell Greg Campy. Now, I'm not sure if you can have it at, a, at an NCAA event, but the best team, one of the best team camps in Michigan is the Oakland team camp. Or you take the model that Oakland was doing and you do it off campus, but you have to have a team camp event in Michigan. And if you have the best teams in Michigan at one team camp, do you understand how many coaches would be there? You mean to tell me if you got a team camp at, with, and say all their players come. So say you got Grand Blank, say you got Ferndale, say you got Cass, you got uh, Belleville, you got Benton Harbor, you got Waterford Mott, you got Farmington, uh, you got Saginaw, you got Clarkston. Like, if you put all of these really, really good teams, you put Glen Lake in that group from up north, you put all of these really good teams in one event, man, you'll have a ton of coaches there. But they're not coming up to see an individual event. They're not. So I wish the MHSA would change that for next season uh, because I think they did a lot of kids a disservice doing that. They really did. You did them a disservice. Do a team camp like everybody else. All right. Hire some people that know how to run a, a successful team camp and get that done, uh, because at the very least, you can do that. I mean, since you're not ever going to change the travel rules, which is ridiculous, since you're not ever going to let us play on TV, 
since you're not ever going to let us play in more than two All-Star games, since you aren't ever going to let us transfer, okay, at least give us a team camp. At least give us that. You aren't ever going to play more than 20 games. Like, come on. You aren't ever going to give us a shot clock. Like, come on, man. MSSA, they need to be better. But I'm not even going to talk about them because they ain't going to change. They're going to be doing the same stuff they've been doing for 30 years. Stop complaining about the coaches. You got all happy when they, they're going to change the state championship format. They're just seeding the districts. Okay? So instead of that game that you was playing on Monday, you're going to play it on Friday. That ain't too much to be happy about. And we're going to cover that when the time gets there. But he they threw y'all a little bone. Said they're they're gonna pair the districts. Pairing districts don't do nothing. Okay, it's only five. It's only good two good teams in the district. Really, maybe three. And at the end of the day, the top two teams instead of playing Monday, they're gonna play on Friday. So they threw y'all a ball. But the MHS ain't gonna change. And stop asking them to because they aren't. So along with the reaching higher event. That happened this this past weekend and a couple team camps from some other places. You also had uh, some kids picking up some offers. Okay, Uh, I've been talking about the John Humphreys. I talk about him every week. He pick up an offer every week, plays for uh, the Reese Legends 17 and other team right now. Currently is at Southfield Christian. Just picked up an offer from Kent State. Kent State is in the MAC. Okay, and I talked about this maybe on my first or second episode, and we talked about the in-state Mac schools letting in-state kids play at other Mac schools. Hey, look, Central, Western, Eastern, if you have not already offered Deshaun Humphreys, you need to call Deshaun Curd tomorrow and offer him. Okay, Deshaun Curd is the head coach with Reach 1700. Call Day Day, tell him you're offering Deshaun. Now, you might be too late, but you can't let a kid like that go to the MAC. Okay? He's an in state kid. He plays at Southfield Christian, plays for Reach. Don't let him go to Bowling Green. Don't let him go to Kent State. Call and offer this kid because he can play. You also have Kyle LeGreer, six foot point guard out of Detroit Cast Tech, plays for the Playmakers. He picked up a Detroit offer. Okay? And that's pretty big because he's been waiting for that Division I offer. Finally got it. Does he end up at a Division I school? I'm not sure. I think he would be a top-tier point guard in the GLIAC. Not, and that's not a diss. When, when I say a, team, a guy can be a really good Division II player, I know a lot of Division II players that are no longer in the GLIAC, that have graduated, and they're making a lot of money playing basketball. Okay? I know a lot of guys that went mid-major, low-major, and they didn't play a whole lot. And their career ended when they graduated. Okay, so playing Division II and GLIAC is not a diss. If you go in and you do what you're supposed to do, you can make money playing basketball. Period. Dallas Logan very easily could have played at Eastern. Very easily could have played at Bowling Green. Could have played at Toledo, Oakland, all of those Division I schools. But he chose to play at Northwood. I wonder what he did at Northwood. He was one of the best players they ever had. Okay? He's in their Hall of Fame. You want to know how many years he played overseas? Try 15. Okay? 
I just started singing Dallas Logan two years ago. I went 15 years and I didn't see this man. He was making money playing basketball for 15 years because he played in the GLIAC. He played at an extremely high level. And he got paid to play basketball. So I like to see that. So Kyle LeGreer, I think he would be a top tier. He would start for over half of the teams in the GLIAC. I'm just, I'm telling you, Kyle Greer is a very good player. Will he end up playing at a Division I school? Probably. Will he go to a school like Western or Detroit or Eastern that come in and they offer him? Probably. Will he be better off going to Fair State or Northwood or a school like that and playing the point for four years and having a more storybook career? Then the playing Division One, the first year or two, you probably ain't gonna play much. You might play year three unless you don't get recruited over. I don't know, but I think Kyle Greer is a really good point guard for Detroit Cast Tech. If you have an opportunity to watch them play, you need to because they're playing some really good basketball. Okay, another guard that's getting a lot of steam this summer is Aaron Eulis. And I know you're probably like, who is Aaron Euless? He ain't from Michigan. Yeah, at some time, I'm going to have a little bit of a national coverage where I talk about some players and teams outside of the state of Michigan because I'm starting to grow my audience. What up, though? Illinois, Chicago, what it do, baby? As, you know, Kawhi would say. But Aaron Lewis is Tyler Euless's little brother. I had opportunity to coach against Tyler Eulis when he was in high school at Marion Catholic, and he was probably the best point guard I've ever coached against. He was phenomenal. His little brother got game. That's what a capital G. Game. Okay? Little boy can go. And he's bigger than his brother. He's about like six foot, maybe 5'11". But he has offers from Everybody in the Midwest, and they're all mid-major. I'm talking about UIC, DePaul, Kent State, Toledo, Bowling Green. I mean, you name it. He got an offer from him, and very deservingly so, because the kid can play. He's a dog. He can put it on the floor. He controls tempo. He can shoot it. He can score. He can do it all. He's just six foot. Okay. Some other things that happened this week. Amani Bates was named the number one player regardless of class. That's in, by ESPN. So ESPN ranked the top 25 guys regardless of class. And Amani Bates, the problem, was number one. I'm just going to call him the problem because that's what he is. He is a problem. And they, they ranked him number one in the country regardless of class. That's huge. Because that's the kind of hype train that leads you to a number one pick. Now, what you do with the number one pick in the class of 2023 when you get drafted or 22 when you get drafted, whenever it is. I don't know. He's so young. I can't even keep up with the year. But whenever he is decides to get drafted in the NBA and he goes number one because they already setting it up where he goes number one. You got to be ready for it, young man. I hope you're spending your time in the gym, in the weight room, getting your body ready for that rigor. But young fella is a show, all right? This past weekend, this past week, he's competing with some other players at the Nike Elite Top 100 camp. And when you look up all the guys that have measurements, he's the only one that doesn't have measurements. That's only because he just showed up late tonight. He has some other commitments. Uh, but the, the 
top 100 camp that's going on is happening in St. Louis. Monty Bates is there. You got some other Michigan kids is there. Uh, Jaden Atkins at Farmington, he's participating. Pierre Brooks of Frederick Douglass, he's participating. Um, you got some really good players. And Monty Bates, of course, he's participating. Ty Rogers of Grand Blank, measured at 6'4", is participating. Listen, I'm going to tell you like this, all right? Ty Rogers ain't too far from Amadi Bates. I know it's a big take. I get it. He ain't too far. Will he catch him? I don't know. But he's right there because Ty Rogers got major game. All right? If you got a chance to watch Grand Blank or you get a chance to watch the family 16 and you play, Ty Rogers has major game. Yes, he does. It's the reason why he's at this top 100 event. And he's he's starting to he's getting that swag. He's healthy. He didn't put a couple pounds on his frame. Look, Ty Rogers is a problem. Okay, is he Monty Bates? He's not a Monty Bates. I ain't going that far because even ESPN said Monty Bates is number one in the country, and I get it. But Ty Rogers, he ain't too far behind him. Okay, I know I've said it before. Make sure you go see Ty Rogers. Because that kid can flat out play. And Jaden Atkins is another player from Farmington. Lefty kid. Uh, he kind of reminds me of E.C. Matthews. If you were able to watch you know, E.C. play uh, in high school for Romulus and Nate Oates, who's now coaching at Alabama, uh, he reminds me of him. Smooth game. He's not as tall. He's only 6'2". Uh, E.C. was 6'4", 6'5". Uh, but he's just a sophomore. He might grow a little bit. He's got a chance to, to sprout out, uh, but he's smooth, man. He's he's a smooth operator, you know. That's that's how he is. He's just a, he he's really smooth with the rock. He can shoot it. He can attack the basket. He stretched the floor. I'm telling you, Jaden Atkins is Big Daddy Kane's smooth operator with the rock. Yes, he is. If you have a chance to go watch that family team or Farmington, do so. Okay, Pierre Brooks the second. It's another player with a very high upside, 6'5", big body. I would like to see him make more plays off the ball, uh, defending, rebounding, but he can score it. He can shoot it. He can put it on the floor. High-level player. He's a high-major player. You know, these are the kind of guys that play at Michigan and Michigan State. So I'm, I'm sure Jawan was, was in St. Louis, and if he wasn't, Sadi, get that man to the top 100 camp, all right? You heard it. You heard it. I know you listen. You probably don't. I hope you do. What up, though? Get Jawan to the top 100 to go see Pierre, Jaden, and Ty Rogers, and you need to offer that boy Ty Rogers right there. I'm just telling you, offer him. Offer him. Him and Amani Bates. You might not be able to get Amani Bates. He might not ever play a second in college basketball, but you need to offer him. At the very least, you need to do that because you're talking about those two guys are pros. Now, I didn't say they're studs. They are pros. They are going to make major money playing basketball. So you have the Nike Top 100 camp going on this year. And you also had the Moneyball Summer League roster. They released their rosters for this summer summer league. And if you're not familiar with Moneyball, Moneyball is out of Lansing. Uh, Desmond Ferguson runs that company. I am Moneyball on Twitter. Go follow him. Very good, humble dude. Uh, but he has a very, very, very good product line of clothing. All right. He makes the most comfortable socks you will ever wear. 
uh, his shorts are A1, his t-shirts are A1. If you're not hip to Moneyball, I'm gonna need y'all to go to the new Moneyball store on 12 Mile in Southfield, and I'm gonna need you to go cop you a shirt or two. All right, Dez is gonna look out for you. But he has a summer league every year that he does in Lansing. More times than not, he has a lot of Michigan State players playing. Uh, this year, this year, he's got some Michigan players playing. That's the Jawan Howard effect. Jawan Howard was like, hey, yo, X, I need you in my office. X come in office. He like, oh, what up, coach? What's good? He said, X, where you hooping at this summer? He said, you know, I'm working out with my guys in Lima. You know, I'm getting in dog food. He was like, so you're not playing summer league at the Saint? He like, the Saint? What's that? What's that? The Saint ain't popping no more, coach. Well, Juwan like, well, what, what league is popping? Because when I was playing, we went to the Saint. You know, we went to the where the players was at. We went to the Flint Pro, Pro-Am and we played against Mateen and them. Like, that was what we did. Like, in Chicago, we played at, at, the, at the Nike Summer League in Chicago. Like, where guys is hooping at? And X was probably like, I don't really know, coach. I mean, it's money ball, but that's usually for Michigan State. And he was like, let me make a phone call. That's a done dilly. We're going to get some Michigan guys up in there. And that's exactly what happened. So he released his rosters. And if you have the opportunity to watch a Moneyball Summer League game, it's the best summer league in the state of Michigan. Uh, and it's free. Go to Aim High Sports. It's on Diamond, Diamonddale Road in Lansing, exit number 96 off of I-96. I've been there a few times. It's either exit 96 or exit 92. One of those exits, but it's right off 96. It's a straight shot. It's Aim High Sports. He released their rosters. All right. You've got team roots that got Kay Felder, Exelia Tillman with uh, Michigan State, Jalen Hayes. I mean, that team is going to be really good. You got Derek Nelson out of Oakland. You got D. Rice on that team. I mean, Team Roots is going to be a team that, team to look out for. You got the Team Freeze team. All right, Aaron Harry from Michigan State. Uh, Julius Marble, Russell Russell Bird, uh, Xavier Simpson with Michigan, Adrian Nunez. I mean, so you got Michigan State and Michigan guys on the same team. That's big time, all right? I don't think that team is going to be that great. It's going to be okay. You got team exclusive. You got Rocket Watts, who's a bucket getter. You got uh, Connor George from Michigan State. You got Eric Evans on that team. And I've talked about Eric Evans on this podcast. He's a dynamic lefty point guard. Uh, coaches with the family now. Uh, you got Dave LeJulius, Isaiah Livers. I mean, that's a team to look out for. That's a team to look out for. I, I, I mean, Rocket Watts and Dave DeJulius on the same team? Oh, baby. That's going to be worth your money. All right? You got Team Dimension, all right, which is Gabe Brown. He's on that team. Uh, you got Mike Edwards, who's from Michigan, who played at, at, at Georgia. Uh, James Lacey of, of Northern Illinois fame. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty solid team. Uh, they'll compete. They'll compete, but, you know, not a whole lot of high-level players on that team. You got Team Cosmic, so you got Cassius Winston on his team. You got Thomas Kithier. You got Noah King that won a national championship at Ferris State. He's on that team. Uh, you got Deshaun Thrower, who who was the Michigan Mr. Basketball 2014. He's on that team. That's going to be a team to look out for. Tyler Curry, who's going to be at Mott. Okay, look out for Mott. We talked about Juco. Look out for Mott. Tyler Curry is there. Oh, boy. That team is going to be pretty good. And you have the team Citron with Marcus Bingham. He's on this team. Foster Lawyer. Um, yeah. So 
That's the, the Moneyball Pro-Am, the best Pro-Am going on in the state of Michigan for the summer. Get up to Lansing. It's free, but get there early. Get there early. The games start at, I believe, 5 o'clock, and they go all the way to 8 o'clock. Like the first games is this Thursday, June 27th. So if you got nothing to do on Thursday, fall through, fall through Moneyball on Thursday, June 27th. You know, Moneyball got a team going in it. So the first game is going to be the Moneyball Pro-Am going against the Cleveland Pro-Am. Okay, so now you got the Pro-Ams going back and forth. So that's going to be worth the ticket in itself. And if you wanted to see Michigan and Michigan State players play in the summer, go up to Lansing to see it. And I'm going to tell you right now before it hits for his Twitter, before the highlights go out, Rocket Wax is a bucket. And in these type of environments, he's going to get 30 or 40 on somebody and he's going to do something nuts. So I'm going to tell you right now, get up to Lansing, go watch Rocket Watch while you can for free because that ticket is going to be paid for coming real soon. So go watch Rocket Watch this summer playing in the Money Brawl Pro-Am. And like I said, man, we're going to talk hoops, man. You need to know anything you need to know about basketball, you can find out right here on Thursday, June 27th. You need to be at Aim High Sports in Lansing and check out the, the Money Brawl Pro-Am. So the last segment this week is a segment I came up with on my own. I did a little bit of research, but not as much as I really wanted to do. It wasn't anything that really sparked this. Well, actually it was. I was at work and I was having a conversation about basketball to a young kid who, who, who played at Detroit Western. And he made a comment to me. He was like, man, Detroit Western, man, when I was there, you know, 16 and 17, we ran the table. We won a state title. We was the best team ever. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, that's cool. I mean, if, if you think they're the best team ever, I'll give you that. They were a really good team, and I really enjoyed watching that team. I'm not going to call them the best ever. But it got me thinking about some of my favorite teams in the last 10 years that I've liked watching. So I'm going to tell you my top 15 favorite teams in the last year of Metro Detroit. Now, the reason why I say Metro Detroit, because not all of these teams played in the PSL. A couple of them played outside of the PSL. Uh, but these are just my favorites. They're in no order because I tried to rank them 15 to 1 and it was just too hard. And I really didn't want to offend anybody. I didn't want to get any slander uh, because I'm not in live making up crazy lists that don't make any sense. So I'm not ranking them. OK, but these are my favorites. Favorite teams. Now, I'm not saying they're the best. Okay, let's be clear. I said my favorite, my favorite teams that I've watched in the last 10 years. And one of those teams is Detroit Consortium with Josh Jackson and Lito Booth. Okay, now Lito Booth played four years. He played three years at Wayne State, one year at Schoolcraft. Uh, had a really good career for Wayne State. Uh, but that's not the player I was really wanted to talk about. The player I really want to talk about was Josh Jackson. He was a show, okay? He put on a show for two years in the state of Michigan that we hadn't seen in a very long time. We probably hadn't seen the kind of show that he put on since the likes of, you know, uh, Chris Webber and them and Detroit Cooley and Southwestern and the teams that they used to do. Josh Jackson was a big ticket like Kevin Garnett, and he was a show. He was a show. I watched him multiple times. I coached against him. My Josh Jackson story is this. We are playing Detroit Consortium at Consortium, right? 
I'm coaching at Detroit Country Day. They beat us. I knew Josh had a pretty good game. He might have had 25, a bunch of rebounds. I thought he had a good team. On my a good game. On my way home, a coaching friend calls me. He's like, "Have you have you looked on Twitter?" I'm like, "No, I ain't looked on Twitter." He said, "Man, what? Why did Josh Jackson do y'all like that?" I was like, "Do y'all do y'all like what?" I mean, he, he was all right. I mean, he had twenty something. He said, "My man on Twitter, I saw he had forty five and twenty three. I was like, twenty. Okay, I can see how he had the twenty three rebounds because he had a bunch of tip ins." And offensive rebounds, and he dominated the glass. Okay, I can give him 23 rounds. But 45, I thought he was off. And then I thought, I started thinking, like, okay, yeah, he had four, five dunks. Yeah, he had a couple threes. Damn, he did have a couple tip ins. Ooh, that, that, that pull up jump on the left wing was nice. I started adding up the numbers. I'm like, yeah, he had, he had about 40 something. When you start adding, he was just a dominant player, man. He was a dominant player in the state of Michigan. There wasn't too many guys that can guard him. And that was the reason why he took his talents out to California to play for that school out there uh, for the next two years and end up going to Kansas. And he's now playing for the Phoenix Suns. And and I, he's been arrested a couple times this summer. Somebody close to him, pull him in, man. Pull him in because he one step away from being out of the league, and I would hate to see that for Josh Jackson. So somebody close to him, pull him together, get him together, get him back in the gym because we want our Detroit guys to have long, lengthy careers in the NBA, and he shouldn't be doing what he's doing. But this is not the podcast for that. But I am talking about Josh Jackson. Somebody, you know, get that man in the gym. But anyway. He was a very effective player for Consortia of Love watching that team. That team was really good. They ended up losing to Flint Beecher, my team. Oh, man, that's a team. See, that's a little bit farther than Metro Detroit, so I ain't got to talk about Flint Beecher. Okay. Next on the list is Detroit Persian with um, Kay Felder and uh, Mellon. I mean, that team was really, really, really good. Uh, you had two high-level scores. I mean, you had... A, both guys can give you 25, 30. I remember seeing Mellon in the state playoffs drop 50 and three quarters. I mean, he was just a bucket. Ended up playing at Texas, transferred back to Oakland, had a solid career at Oakland. And I'm talking about Martez Walker. I call him Mellon because he played for Reach. We all call him Mellon because he had a Mellon head. That's why we called him Mellon. I don't call him Martez. We, call him, we know him as Mellon. All right. I mean, but that team was really good. And the team that they lost to in the state was Romulus. Romulus is the next team on that list. Uh, you had E.C. Matthews on his team. You had Wes Clark on his team. Really, really high-level team playing for Nate Oates. And Nate Oates, I mean, now he can get the credit. But at the time, people just thought he had a bunch of really good players and he couldn't coach. I'm just telling you the narrative at the time. He got a bunch of Detroit kids, and he don't know how to coach. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I used to see his practice. I, you know, I saw how he ran his practices. He would give me game film. Like he was a very, very high level high school coach. So there was no reason why um, he excelled at Buffalo and is now moved on to Alabama. But when he had this team in 2013 with Romulus, uh, with Wes Clark and E.C. Matthews. I mean, these two guys, E.C. ended up playing at Rhode Island. Wes Clark ended up playing at Missouri. I mean, you had two bucket getters, man. You had two guys that you couldn't stop. But with that, you had the scheme in place 
where they were still running some really good half-court sets for that team. So I really enjoyed watching Rimeless that year. And one of the best games I've ever been to in this time frame was the Persian Rimeless game. All right, Rimeless won the game 96 to 95 in overtime. Okay, it was a track meet. It was an offensive show. Um, you had high-level players on both sides of the ball. One of the best games I've seen in a very long time was Persian versus Romulus at Detroit Callahan for a, a state quarterfinal. So Romulus ended up winning, the, winning that game and the state championship that year. And if Persian had won the game, they would have won the state championship that year as well. Another team that I liked watching was uh, Detroit Persian with Keith Applin and Jawan Howard. Uh, Jawan Howard Jr. didn't get enough credit for what he did at Detroit Persian while Keith Applin was there. Of course, Keith Applin was a dog. You don't, you didn't see that same dog at Michigan State. So you're probably like, why are you talking about Keith Applin? He wasn't even that good at State. I ain't talking about what he did at State. I'm talking about what he did on Seven Mile and Ryan. And that man was a dog. Like Ian Mess would say, what a dog said. He was, he was a dog, flat out. He was a flat-out dog, but nobody going to beat him. And if you did, it was a fight, all right? I remember watching him at Detroit Renaissance when they played King, and I'm on the baseline. He's got a three-on-one break. A kid tries to take a charge in the middle of the lane, and he just put old boy on a poster. You hear me? Man, Keith Applin was nasty. Keith Applin was nasty. If you were to name me the top five guys that came out of Persian, Keith Applin would be on it. That's another topic for another day. Next team on this list is a Detroit Jesuit with Cassius Winston, 2016. Cassius was the best passer I've ever seen outside of Tyler Eulis. Well, I only saw Tyler Eulis for one year, for one game. I saw Cassius Winston for four years, and he's the best passer I've seen in high school basketball I, I couldn't name you a better passer. Now, I wasn't able to watch those guys in the 80s like that. Did Mike Talley really pass the ball? Like, I mean, he might have. I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, Cassius Winston is the best passer I've seen coming out of the Metro Detroit area in a very long time. And he was able to win a state championship there. So that was a really good team. Um, I'm trying not to talk about my teams at Renaissance. Uh, but the team that I had in 2009, okay, Shane Phillips, Danny Sutherland, all right, Delano Collins, Brandon Mungo. I mean, that team was really good. You talk about I had four guy, four of my four out of my five starters played college basketball. Okay, so if you have college basketball players on a high school team, that's a good high school team. I don't care what level they play at. Okay, you know, people ask me, "What did you do at Detroit Renaissance? Did you win a city championship?" No, I didn't. But what I did do, I was able to get kids in college. And that's the goal. But this team was really, really good. Delano Collins was a really good point guard for me. Played football. Was a very good football prospect. He had Division I offers to play football. He ended up playing uh, Division Three basketball. Just because the grind, he, he told me to, to myself, he was like, Coach, the grind, it was too much. I couldn't handle it. I want to play basketball. And I was cool. I was like, cool. You go to school, you play basketball. So he went to Al Adrian. And played for Mark White there. Uh, and got his degree. And he's doing well now. Uh, but that team was really good. We just ran up against Detroit Persian when they had Derek Nixon, Keith Applin. And wasn't nobody beating that team. 
But nobody beating that team with Derek Nix, Jawan Howard Jr., and Keith Abbott. You wasn't beating that team, and that's who we lost to. Uh, but it was a coming. It was a great year for Danny Southern, who, who played at Fair State, and he was on their Sweet 16 team. Um, that was really, really, really good, and he was good as well. Uh, but it was a breakout season for him, and Shane Phillips was a Division One player. Played at Liberty, played three years at Wayne State. Was a thousand point scorer there. Uh, had a, I mean, nine hundred points. Uh, really good career at, at Wayne State. So. Um, that was one of my favorite teams. I wanted to say another team, but it was 2008, and it don't fit in the 10 years, so I couldn't say it. Okay? The next team, Detroit King. You're like, Trey King? Yeah. Dennis Norfleet and Malik Alberts. Okay? They won the city championship this year. They beat Persian. Okay? And this, these, this is one of the better backcourts. That I've seen in a long time. Very athletic. Even though Norfleet was a Division I football player at Michigan and Tuskegee. All right. He was a very good basketball player as well because he was just a little pit bull. And the run that they made to win the city championship. I mean, just look at the teams they beat in the, in the, in the playoffs. Okay. They had to beat Detroit Crockett. They had to beat Detroit Renaissance, which was my team. And they had to beat Detroit Persian. Okay, three really, really good teams to win the state city championship that year, and they deserve it. Malik Alberts ended up playing uh, ju ju uh, junior college basketball, went to a D2 in Texas and did pretty well. Um, ended up at a Division One school. I want to say it was Bradley or it wasn't Bradley. I forget what school it was. It was a mid-major school. Norfleet played running back at Michigan, kick return. Ended up transferring out and finishing that Tuskegee. So that was a really good team. Next team on the list, East English with Kamari Newman. Uh, Big Cedric was on that team. Greg Elliott was young. He was on that team. Uh, really good team. Marquell, uh, Marquell was on that team. He ended up playing uh, Division I basketball. I mean, a really high-level team. He had some athletes. It, it was the team that took Coach Rickman to another level coaching-wise, in my opinion, okay? Coach Rickman doesn't get enough credit for what he did at East English, even though he didn't win a uh, city championship there. He had very high-level players and a very high-level program, and guys were going Division One from there, and that team that he had with Kamari coming off the screens, making them, making them threes, I mean, that was a really good team. I like that team. Detroit Cody in 2010, Richard Carter. That was a really good team. Okay. He took that team all the way to the city championship. All right. They end up losing Detroit Persian. Uh, but they they had a whip, man. Rich Carter is still playing to this day. Still playing to this day. Uh, he put them boys on his back. He had a couple kids that transferred from Detroit Cooley that were really good. Uh, one of them went Juco down in, I think he went to Barton with uh, Derek Barton, and we're going to talk about him in a second. But that was a really good team. That Detroit Cody team with Richard Carter on it was a, was a fun team to watch. Next team on my list, Detroit Cast Tech, 2014. All of these guys played Division I or played college. Rob Edwards, Mike Laster, Kenny Carpenter, D'Angelo Stewart, all right? Big Chuck that played at Wayne State. I mean, this team was loaded. They might only had three or four losses on the year. It just so happened that 
they lost in this PSL semifinals to Persian, and they come back to beat them in a district final, uh, but they end up losing in the regionals. I think they lost, matter of fact, they lost to Detroit Jesuit because UAD had six players on the floor, okay? I think this was the team that Cass could have had to win a state championship. They just couldn't beat UAD on this day. But if you go back in history, right, and I've told the head coach this a thousand times, okay, the head coach was Dave Dixon at the time. If you count six players on the floor, there's no way you don't stop play. I'm grabbing a microphone. I'm coming on the floor. I'm getting a technical foul before you allow six players to be on the floor with the opportunity to win the game. With me, it ain't happening. So that was the year that that's what they lost to Detroit. Uh, they lost to UAD because they had six players on the floor, and that ended their season, and it was pretty dramatic. But, I mean, you have four or five Division One guys on one team. That's a really good team. So that team was very fun to watch. Uh, Rob Everts is still playing at Arizona State. All right? Get a good chance to watch him next year. Uh, next team, Detroit Southeastern with Derek Kearney and Percy Gibson. Okay, uh, uh, Brand uh, Derek Kearney, Brandon Kearney, Derek Kearney's the dad. Brandon Kearney played at Michigan State, committed as a sophomore, very high upside. A lot of critical people uh, that talked about BK over the years. I had a chance to work him out a few times, and a very humble, great kid. Had a very good career at Detroit Southeastern. You just, you just, you wanted too much out of him. I mean, he was, a, he was skinny, he was small, played the wing, he was a point guard, but he was really skilled. I think he should have stayed at Michigan State. He was a, a really good role player for them, shot maker, can shoot the ball really well. And in Percy Gibson was just a bucket down low. He was just a bucket. You couldn't do nothing with him. He was a bucket. They lost in the state finals to Kalamazoo Central. Uh, I believe that was the team they played and lost to. Of Mike Thomas fame, um, but that Detroit Southeastern team was really good with with Percy and uh, Kearney. Okay, next team Detroit Denby, 2010. Isaiah Sykes and Derek Barton. These two guys were a show. Now Derek Barton was to work hard. He was about six three, six four. He was athletic. He got every rebound. He can guard everybody. I mean, he was mean. Okay, Isaiah Sykes was the mustard. On the hot dog. I'm trying to tell you, he was a show. He can do it all. He was athletic. He was 6'5. He could get to the rim. He can break you down. He can hit the mid range. He can hit the three. He had the Kawhi braids before Kawhi had him. And he just had a nasty game, man. He had a nasty game. He had dunk on you down the lane. And they had a good run. He had a good run with Detroit Denby. Um, he played his uh, collegiate ball at, uh, I think it was UCF. Played at Central Florida is where he ended up, um, and he's now playing overseas. Uh, but Isaiah Sykes was a bucket, 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 bucket. He was a bucket, man. Really enjoyed watching those two guys go at it. All right. The next team I had the opportunity to coach against, and that's Detroit Henry Ford, okay, when they had Matt Hunter, Demario Prince of Detroit, Redford fame, all right, Kareem Baker, Victor Edge. I mean, that team was loaded. They was loaded with a bunch of gritty, tough, we going to press you, 
and we're going to put it on you for 32 minutes or more. And the Mario Prince was probably one of the most underrated players in the PSL in this time frame. He was really good. He had a really good floater. He could stretch the floor with his three. He was a point guard with, with Manny Harris when they won the state title on that team uh, when he was a freshman. Um, but, you know, he went to Refford and Henry Ford because they closed Refford, and those guys had to go to Henry Ford. But that team that they had at Henry Ford was really good. They knocked us out of the state playoffs. Um, we played them in the regular season, and Kareem Baker, who was a 6'5 transfer out of Denby, that played at Henry Ford his senior year, was just a 6'5 monster, man. He was a beast down low. He was he's probably bigger than 6'5". He's about like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, and it was nothing you could do with him on the block. Nothing you could do. He was getting every rebound. He was tough. And he broke his elbow against us. And he came back in the state playoffs. And he was like, y'all had a nice run, but y'all have a seat. We moving forward. So really liked that team. Victor Edge was just the – he was the bully. He was the Ron Artest of the crew. He was the bully. He ended up playing football at Northwood. And he was the glue on that team. So – Another really good team that had the opportunity to watch a lot was Detroit Allen Academy. Look in 2016. Look at this Rocket. Rocket Watts, Jason Williams, who played at East Tennessee State, Danny Pippen, who's playing at Kent State, and Dre Bell, who's now playing at Lewis. Now, this is a charter school. It's a small school. It's maybe 200 kids in the school, 550 kids in the senior class, and you got four Division I players on one basketball team. That's some pretty heavy stuff. And even as a freshman, Mark Watts, who we know as Rocket Watts, who I told you to go watch in the Moneyball shootout on Thursday, he was a bucket then. He was a bucket then. He ain't play much defense. But he was a bucket then as a freshman, and you can see that he was going to be a very, 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 very high-level player, even as a freshman. So, you know, you put all these college guys, like I said, if you got multiple college guys on one high school team, that is a good high school team. And the last team I'll mention is Detroit Western 2016. They ran the table, man. They went undefeated. You got to talk about this team. Braylon Neely, Kareem Murray, Josh Long, Armani Tinsley, Josh McFoley. Man, this team was good. They had the guards. They had the bigs. They had the wings. McDowell coached the hell out of those boys. They beat East English in the regional final. They they played everybody and they beat everybody. They went 26-0. and And that don't happen a lot in the state of Michigan. They didn't lose a game. Not a single one. And it was fun watching their team because they played together. Braylon Neely had the ball on a string. Armani Tinsley shot the piss out of it. And Josh McFoley, I want to talk about Josh McFoley for a little bit. He played four years at U of D. He had a very good career at U of D. Get a boy his props. He had he was a thousand point scorer. I think he's the school's all time leader in steals. I mean, he had a really good. I didn't. If you had told me in 2016 that Josh McFoley was going to go to University of Detroit, he was going to play four years, and he was going to score a thousand points. I'd have called you a damn fool to your face. Straight up. I'd have been like, yeah, right. That's not happening. But he was on this really good team for Detroit Western that McDowell built as freshmen. And they just took their lumps as sophomores. They turned some heads when they were juniors. And by the time they turned seniors, they won it all. So shouts out to them. So those are my top 15 favorite teams. He has some all, some honorable mention teams. You know, those Crockett teams with Lloyd Neely and Devin Long. The cast team with Dre Johnson, Kyle Stewart, 
you know, Fred D and 14 with Baby D and company and East English with uh, uh, David DeJulius and Greg Elliott. So those are some of my honorable mention teams that I like watching. But, yeah, man, we talking hoops, man. That's high school sports for you. You know, if you got a better list in mind, put it on Twitter. Tag me in it. Like I said, this wasn't a list. This is just my favorite teams. Who was your favorite team? Who's your favorite team last five years, last two years? Who's the team that, the, the few teams that you really enjoyed watching uh, play high school basketball here in Michigan? Because they try to say we ain't got players in Michigan, and we do. Because I just named you 15 teams, and all of them had Division One or Division Two players on it. So, there's still players here. So, that's it. And just like that, it's a wrap. I would like to thank you guys for listening. This is episode 10 for the win. We getting it in. All right. I want to. I appreciate you guys listening this week. We just got some breaking news that Kevin Durant declined his option. So I was wrong on that. We're going to talk about that next week. Oakland's team campus this weekend. Hopefully I have an opportunity to go a couple days. Give you some input on that. So next week should be a good, a good week for some hoops. And you got free agency jumps off on the 30th. So we're going to have a lot to talk about next week, man. We're going to have a lot to talk about. But as always, I appreciate you for listening. You know, shouts out to my man Rodney Scales, one of my former AAU players, hit me up. Told me he listened to the podcast. People that leave me voicemails, I'm going to give you shouts out. You know, uh, good looking. I appreciate that. Keep listening. And with that, I holla. And buckle up for this ride. That's what you need to do. Because this is Coach Cam and we talking hoops. Kid, kid, we talking hoops.